please join me for a word of prayer. May the words of my mouth, may the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Welcome to Christ the King this morning. We are in a sermon series entitled Jesus, the Light of Life. We've been looking on the Sermon on the Mount. The hypothesis or the theory is that we're going to, that Jesus reveals not only God to us, but he reveals us to us. Jesus shows us our dignity. In the Sermon on the Mount, he tells us, rhetorically, he asks us, are you not worth more than two sparrows? He shows us our dignity. He shows us our purpose. He shows us how we ought to live. Without him, we lose our way. But Jesus, the light of life, shows us who we are, how we ought to live. This is one of those passages in which Jesus tells us how we ought to live. And I think I can summarize this fairly lengthy passage into one ought, one thing that Jesus is telling us to do, and that is warning that we ought to avoid being a moral show-off. That's it. That's the sum of his passage, uh, the summary of this passage. We ought to avoid showing off our goodness, showing off our morality. No problem showing off sports, no problem in showing off academics, uh, showing off your goodness. That's what Jesus critiques. If you turn into your sermon notes, you'll follow along. We're going to, the sermon notes don't exactly line up, but we're going to see three things. We're going to see why we may, why we may be tempted to show off our goodness. Number two, we're going to see uh, what is it? We're going to see a definition of showing off our goodness, what it looks like. And number three, we're going to see why it's dangerous. Ready? Why might you and I be tempted to show off our goodness? It seems a little bit, a little bit simple, doesn't it? Why would anyone do that? Well, here's why. Because you and I are hardwired for praise. You and I are hardwired to receive affirmation. Remember Maslow? He was the psychiatrist of some centuries ago, or, or some decades ago, I guess. Uh, he had this hierarchy of needs. The very base of that hierarchy was uh, food, water. A little bit up, next, next uh, need you and I have is security. But the, aside from those very basic physical needs, the next thing that you and I need, love, affirmation. Uh, another more recent uh, psychologist came and visited our church, Kurt Thompson, and during his presentation to us some years ago, he said, we come into the world looking for someone who is looking for us. I think that's true. We, we come in, we want to hear someone say, hey, you are good enough. You've made it. There was a, back when I used to watch Saturday Night Live, which was about 20 to 30 years ago now, there was a funny spoof uh, Dana, Dana Carvey was a self-help uh, self counselor. And uh, every session would end with Dana Carvey's character saying, you're good enough, you're smart enough, and doggone it, people like you. And he would, uh, he would wear his cardigan sweater, you can envision it perhaps. And the spoof worked because it, it highlighted the limitations of self-talk. Sure, you can tell yourself. You can tell yourself how good you are, how smart you are, but ultimately we need it from the outside. You and I are hardwired for affirmation. Notice when Jesus critiques these people who are doing religious acts in front of people. He doesn't say, hey guys, you should just pray, you should fast, and you should give. Why? Because I said so. 
You're supposed to. No, he assumes that praise is part of the equation. Their problem is where they seek their praise from. Do these things in secret for your father. Don't do them for the praise of man. He assumes you and I have a hunger to be affirmed. Look at the quote I include from you by C.S. Lewis. It's from his best essay, I think. It's called The Weight of Glory. And in this essay, he writes, nothing is so obvious in a good child as his great and undisguised pleasure in being praised. Isn't that right? Think of a little child, how happy they are when they please their parent. Can that desire to please go south? Absolutely. But there's something good in it. The pleasure of a beast. This is the most creaturely of all pleasures. It is the specific pleasure of the inferior, the pleasure of a beast before man, a child before its father, a pupil before its teacher, or a creature before its creator. We may think it's improper to seek praise. No, says Lewis. No, you and I are made for it. You, one, of the, one of the characteristics of heaven is divine praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You find that all throughout the Bible. We're made for praise. And that's why we may be tempted to boast of our goodness. Hey, I'm praiseworthy. Now let's move to our second point. In this passage, Jesus identifies three practices that the people of that day were doing in order to garner praise. What were they doing? They were praying, they were giving, and they were fasting. Now, in order to feel the pinch of this passage, we have to put a little context. Because if you and I saw someone doing what they were doing, right? look at uh, verse 5. When you pray, don't stand on the street corners and pray loudly. No problem, Jesus. I'm not doing that. When you fast, don't disfigure your face. Verse 16, no problem. Not doing that either. Like, these were things that people did then in order to be praised. Values of a culture shift. You know, just, just look at a sitcom from the 80s and see how much style has changed. Values have changed from then to now. Then they valued piety, personal piety. Wow, that guy can really pray. That guy can really fast. He is, he is one of us. He is good. We don't value that anymore. We just don't. And the values of today will be different from the values of tomorrow. It shifts. What this, this um, desire to fit into the values of the day remains. If you were to go shopping, go to the mall, walk around any uh, shopping center, you would find an addition to shops selling, uh, you know, telling how much their goods cost or telling what they, they, they sell. You would also find virtues, right? Practice kindness here. We welcome everybody here. Kindness is great. Welcoming everybody is great. These are virtues of the day. And it's not enough simply to be kind. We have this desire, and I'm not picking on any particular signs, I'm just using it as an illustration. We have a desire to say, hey, the values of the day, I'm in. I'm kind too, look, I got the sign. Today, 2004, there was a term coined 
called virtue signaling. You've heard of it before. Here is the definition. I wonder if you, if you hear the definition, think of what Jesus is critiquing. Virtue signaling, a public expression of opinions or sentiments intended to demonstrate one's good character or one's moral correctness of one's position on a particular issue. You want praying? You want fasting? You want giving? I'm your guy. I can pray, fast, and give. You want kindness? I'm your guy. I can pray, fast, and give. Look, and that is what Jesus is critiquing. We call it uh, virtue signaling now. It'd simply be called hypocrisy then, play acting. And if you're anything like me, like I, I am tired of virtue signaling. I'm tired of hypocrisy. And you're probably thinking, yeah, there are so many people who I want to stop, tell to stop their virtue signaling. But before we get too critical of those out there, please note that this is a general warning to all people that you and I are likely very guilty of the same things that Jesus is warning of us, warning us of. And there are any number of ways that you and I can say, hey, I'm here. Through your politics, through your parenting, through your profession, through your diet, we, we are naturally hardwired to receive praise for being good. So let me summarize, we all want to be praised. There's two sources, potential sources of praise. Other people, which leads to hypocrisy. God, which leads to authenticity. Now I move to the third and final point, and that is the dangers of hypocrisy, the dangers of virtue signaling, because I, I don't like hypocrisy. I don't like virtue signaling, but I wouldn't say it's dangerous, would you? It's annoying. Dangerous? Jesus says, beware. And when we tell our children to beware, we tell our children to beware of things that meet two criteria. Number one, they're dangerous. And number two, they don't realize they are. Right? We don't tell our children, beware of sharks, because they are already afraid of sharks. We tell our children to beware of the street. Because the street looks pretty innocuous, but the street can kill them. Jesus says, beware, about 15 to 16 times in the Bible. He never says, beware of stealing. He never says, beware of murder. He never says, beware of adultery. No, those, those are fairly obvious. Don't do those. He says, beware once. He says, beware of greed. Apparently, greed can sneak up on the best of us. And the other 14 times, you know what he says, beware of? Beware of your hypocrisy. Beware not of doing the wrong thing, but beware of doing the right thing for all the wrong reasons. Just a sampling. Beware of the scribes. They like to walk around their long robes they love the greetings in the marketplaces. They like the best seats in the synagogues. They like the places of honor. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Beware of the scribes. And on and on it goes. He's not just annoyed by hypocrisy. He thinks it's a danger. Now, why do you think hypocrisy is dangerous? Why would Jesus say beware of it? Well, let me suggest one reason. 
one of many reasons, not only is hypocrisy annoying, that hypocrisy also, uh, hypocrisy functions by first we deceive other people, and then we end up deceiving ourselves. This is a quote from Stephen Kreitz, who wrote The Aesthetics of Self-Deception. He writes, surely there are few moments more ripe for self-deception than those in which people are puffing and straining to be religious. Or we could add puffing and straining to be pious or puffing and straining to be kind. In other words, the Pharisees who practiced their piety in front of other people likely thought, you know what? I'm pretty darn pious. People who make a practice of signaling their virtue are tempted to believe in their own virtuosity. It starts with showing others I'm a little bit more tuned in and then by believing your own press. It's dangerous. And it's easy to do. The person who flies the, has, the, has the banner, practice, we practice kindness here, did not just wake up and think, hey, you know what? Kindness, that's my thing. No, they, they are a product of their age, just like you and I are a product of our age. We are all far more influenced by the opinions and far more desirous of the applause of others than we give ourselves credit. You see my note, it's from Alexis Tocqueville. He says, beware of the tyranny of the majority. And you and I are far more susceptible, far more desirous of the praise of others than we give ourselves credit for. Let me draw our thoughts to a conclusion. We need to hear the affirmation from others that you are enough, or excuse me, we want to hear the affirmation from others. You are enough. You've hit the standards of the day. You are good. You are virtuous. You are sensitive. You are tolerant. You are kind. We want to hear the applause out of boy. Only problem is you and I are not meant for the applause of others. We're meant for the applause of God. And I can only think of one place in the Bible where we're actually told that you and I received the applause of God. It's in Luke chapter 15. And would you believe if we received the applause of God not for doing the right things? Listen to the passage from Luke chapter 15. It's three parables in a row. One of a lost coin, a lost son, and a lost sheep. The shepherd goes to find the sheep. The woman finds the lost coin. And that represents the lost child that returns to God. And here's what Jesus says at the end of each of those three parables. I tell you the truth, there is joy before the angels of God over the one sinner who repents rather than the 99 who need no repentance. You want to hear the applause of heaven? It's not through hypocrisy. It's not through moral posturing. It's through repentance. Every Sunday, you and I make a common confession. We say, I confess that I have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. I confess that I wish I was more pious. I wish I could pray fast and give a little bit more generously. I wish I was kinder. I wish I was more conscientious. I wish I, but the problem is I'm not and you're not because you are primarily concerned with yourself. Just like I, we are sinners in need of mercy. 
a broken and contrite heart, oh God, you will not despise. That is the path to applause from heaven. And it's the broken and contrite heart that will one day hear that divine accolade. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Come into your master's joy. Let me come to a close. Jesus is the light of life. He shows you and me how we ought to live. And the path of life that he lays out here is so wonderfully contrary because you and I are tempted with everything to hide what's wrong with ourselves and show you what's right. But the path of the Christian is, is not to hide our vices and project our virtues, but to project our vices within reason and hide our virtues. Just think of how wonderfully countercultural, how wonderfully compassionate a group of people would be if they were more forthcoming with their weaknesses more happy to take their place among the sinners and were a little bit and hide hid their virtues a little bit more friends that's what the church should be open with our brokenness open with our faults virtue tucked away hidden Beware of practicing your good deeds before others in order to be seen by them and being seen by them, praised by them. Instead, practice your good deeds in secret. Pray in secret, give in secret, be kind in secret, care for our environment in secret, strive for justice in secret. And your Father who sees in secret Lord, help us. Help us to be aware of the dangers of hypocrisy, not the dangers that are out there that we can so easily identify in others, but the dangers of hypocrisy that are right here in my own heart. Help us not to play to the crowds. Help us instead to play to an audience of one. May we be happy simply with praying not with the need to be known as someone who prays. Simply with giving, not the need to be known as someone who gives. Help us to be content with being kind and welcoming and good, not to be known as someone who is kind, welcoming, and good. Help us to remember you, our Heavenly Father who sees in secret what is done in secret. Amen. Please rise. Together we affirm our faith in the words of the Nicene Creed.